0: hey welcome everybody to podcast number 33 presented by five pin universe i'm your host carrie kreitz we have the usuals here adam weber tim wiseman and dexter wiseman and our special guest this week victor fobert he is the 2017 heritage traditional champion as well he won it in 2010 and the 2012 tpc at sherwood champion we're happy to have him on here and uh our first topic will be neb's fun world they're having the club tour event on thanksgiving weekend same weekend as the autumn open of the wcbt and they've posted some uh pretty cool stats coming up they already have over 200 entries signed up and 140 individuals i do believe pretty amazing um numbers considering um i don't believe they were even close to that in prior years uh, what are your guys thoughts on uh, the club tour's newfound um numbers
1: yeah it's it's pretty awesome i, I mean they made some really big changes this year uh they uh they go into the 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 batch play format and the finals the the three game matches uh total pinfall uh the bracket is the two sides the a and b sides um so obviously there was a want to do that i think we all knew that after the uh the tournament I was at uh, was it Bayshore?
0: uh midland right uh, yeah in uh, sure yeah. yeah
1: yeah sorry yeah um so i, I think i think it was a pretty obvious after that, that tournament that there was definitely a need for a tournament like this uh so it's great to see and it it just continues to show that the uh the cash tournament side of the game is definitely growing um that's definitely the area of the game that's that's growing the, the fastest um yeah not receding like the other ones
2: I, I just find it kind of like interesting that you add more games you boost up the entry fee like almost double right or or at least you know an extra 60 or 70 dollars and you can and you you absolutely knock the, the entries out of the park right usually that doesn't work with a lot of things out there so that, that's pretty awesome to see that obviously you know i i know mitch sort of talked about it a little bit with him, and start pumping people in there but uh obviously it's really great to have somebody as in just england in there to help out the whole situation as well
0: i think it just goes to show that if there's money to be won it really wouldn't matter what the cost would be right if you if uh if you can win up to four or five thousand dollars for winning the tournament you're willing to put in the up to two hundred dollars for a try at it right yeah Um, when you're only winning a couple thousand and you got to pay $60. It doesn't seem as enticing for some reason. Well, I think the biggest
1: I thing also, too. I, I also, sorry, I also think that uh, a large part of it, I mean, there's a lot of them that have come out and played the WCBT events. I mean, you know, t- 10, 12, 13 of those players have, but you're looking at a, a hundred and, 120, 100 players that may not have ever played a cash tournament like that with that yeah. amount of money going into it um it it's one thing to go into a tournament and spend 80 bucks or 100 bucks on a tournament it's another thing to go in and put in 200 or 180 there's there's an exhilaration sort of factor to it too no different than us playing in like things like the invitational now you know you're throwing a thousand dollars all of a sudden you you know your your blood gets going pretty quick you know um so i think that probably plays into it too because now it's a it's a new experience and a little bit nervous and a, a little bit excitement right so uh I think that definitely has a factor.
2: The big thing for me is I think as soon as you equaled out the payouts way better, wasn't so top heavy first and second weren't getting all the money, and then uh, everybody else got nothing because I remember back uh, correct me if you're wrong that if you made the kind of the club tour, you weren't guaranteed getting all the getting any money on that right so there was no cut money right? So I think right. that's a huge factor. People feel like you know they like can invest into the event and still have a chance to make some money back, right.
1: Yeah, you're right. This is the first year they're doing a cut, a cut money, right? Correct. I'm pretty
0: sure. Yeah, well, guaranteed cut money, I do believe. I think there was yeah. still cut money in the previous years, but it was based on entry, I do believe.
1: Yeah. Um, and now they're paying out 55% of the prize pool is towards the cut, and right. 45 is the prize is to the uh, the Sunday finals.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's what really boosted the WCBT events was guaranteeing. Cut amount to those players that made the cut because then they'll play two shifts or or even three shifted to get a good portion of their money back. Absolutely, it, it definitely brings entries in instead of the winner wins four grand and then second place wins a thousand dollars. Right, it's not really that enticing. When I can make my cut money back pretty quick and then it, playing on house money is always nice too, right?
1: Yeah,
0: absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah, one of one of the biggest things that I think um, has been seen over the last few years is you just see how many more customers, just even in Ontario alone. Sure, they've been spread out because you had uh, Timmins back in June. I think it was Timmins in June. Um, so it's just like all of a sudden they've got more incentive to um, to work at this a little bit more. And then I think there's been enough drive through just even the the guys that were coming out for the WCBT that it was like. It's enough incentive now that it pushes you to that next level of your game, so I think people might be actually seeing that and seeing, okay, well these guys have this. how do we keep up with that on our side so you see new Brunswick, or uh sorry Newfoundland doing the same thing, and we already know that new Brun- or, uh wow, <laughs> that, that uh that Newfoundland has really strong bowlers, but it's like as soon as you start getting um Canada up to an entirely uh, whole new level in the game it's 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 insane to, to think about the potential that exists there every time you go to a national, whether it's for the opener or for Masters. It always seems like it's the next step. You have to be just that much better and that much more consistent to be able to, uh, to succeed there. So I think it's uh, people are starting to buy into that realization that um, you need to bowl at that level with that competition and that mental strain to be able to succeed in those long runs and those long tournaments.
1: On a semi-regular basis, too. Yeah. D- doing it, doing it every year at nationals is one thing, but if you're if you're not doing it, you know, in, in that the twelve month span in between, it it's it's a totally different ballgame. You have to be comfortable in it on a re- pretty pretty regular basis.
0: Well, now, like, how long do you think? Um, because Ontario now has Neb's Club Tour. They have the Elmira Club Tour event. They have Timmins in February, and they have Midland in June. How long do you think it is that NBT takes to move their entry fees up? Because I do believe they're still fairly low. To- they are at dollars 60, 60 I, think. Is it I think it's
2: 60 bucks.
1: But uh, honestly, from from my understanding, I haven't talked to them in a little while about it, but the, it didn't sound like they really had a, a, an, a game plan to increase that. Uh, just because of volumes of bowlers out there, they just wanted to have something. Um, something like this so and they wanted to make it more accessible so i i, mm-hmm. I don't know that they, they do have their high roller events uh which are like yeah i think those were 200 dollars. Uh, but again it was a very limited number of people that participated in those right so i don't i don't really think that they have a game plan to increase the
0: fees. The well, they're still fairly young too i think they're just entering their third season as well right so
1: yeah something like that
0: it may may take a little bit but I, I can see that entry fee going up, um, just just like it did in Ontario. And how long is it before the WCBT all of a sudden increases in entry fees, right? Um,
4: It'll all be a standardization at some point, right? It's, uh, it is strictly a numbers game. But realistically, if you're willing to drop you know, $60, $70 on a ship, you're probably willing to drop 100 Right, you're you're willing to drop 200, and now you're probably willing to drop 220 or 250 per first shift, right? Or uh, it, money will always bring people in, and you know, especially with uh, with that new club tour event at Nebs there uh, th- having that extra shift available too, along with those extra money, I, I, and then of course the, the the big wave that everybody's talking about in five pin world right now um it, it it's that it was bound to happen at some point right so hopefully this explosion kind of takes off for the rest of really call it eastern canada um you uh, know i could definitely see maybe even a, an additional event uh popping up somewhere in, in conjunction with the other four that are out there right now as well
0: yeah well like midland is obviously brand new um but like thunder bay I, it's just Thunder Bay is kind of so remote. Um, I wonder if they, well, Timmins is super remote too. So who's to say that something doesn't pop up in Thunder Bay or if Winnipeg finally gets something going. Um, I know Rossmuir kind of fell apart there without uh, the support, but that was kind of before the WCBT really hit its stride too. So maybe now if somebody was to come up with something, you would see a lot more, a lot more interest to move out that far.
4: I, I could see one even in like Gatineau or Ottawa, right? Ha- having that that cross-border you know tournament in, in there as well. Yeah. Um, and the the pure volume of players that are in the area, like it, 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 to me, it would be an ideal place. Um, you know, obviously we've had a, a bunch of nationals there recently, so it's more than capable of holding a big event.
0: Yeah, I agree. And just keeping along the same path here. So, um, on Thanksgiving weekend as well is the 47th annual autumn open. Um, the longest running tournament under the same name, obviously, cause the Rose bowl has been around forever, which is now the TPC. If people don't know. Um, but the autumn open has already got a hundred individuals signed up for it. And it's, autumn open has always a little bit, been a little bit smaller compared to the rest of the WCBT events for the last few years. Um, but it seemed like it's starting to hit its stride now. It has the Thursday night event, the doubles event, um, their, their high roller <coughs> event, I guess you could call it. Um, it's nice to see the innovations that they're coming up with um, with their limited space too, right? It, it's 18 lanes, but they got really no spectator room in that uh, Paradise Lanes, but the competition is unreal. I I still think it's one of the hardest tournaments to to compete in it, the cuts at 40, but uh, then you have 15 long games. If you make the 16 cut after that, right.
4: Still believe it's the toughest format to win. <clears throat> um, I, I, I think it's.
0: Yeah, I agree.
4: Uh, e- even making the top 16s, knowing that you're going to end up having to throw another 15 games on top of the eight that you just threw. Uh, there's a bit of a mental letdown, I I think, as you're getting into there for the first game or two, uh, because it's not a single-game elimination type format. You know you still have to keep throwing. But then as you probably get it about game six, seven, eight, all of a sudden now there's a little bit more of the mental fatigue hitting you, obviously the the physical fatigue hitting you. Um, You start seeing some of the the players or maybe even a little less experienced players uh, in that moment, it uh, starts to kind of fade out a little bit. And then you see some of the experience uh, kind of come to the forefront. Um, extremely difficult type tournament. Um, it, and especially when uh, you have such probably, you know, a good 10 to 12 top end talent. Um, like top, top end talent that seems to make that 16 every single year. Uh, you know every one of those matches are going to be a grind for an extra 50 points. Uh, and then you at the same time, you know that there's probably going to be a 360 or 370 somewhere down the road that, that probably trumped your 300 and a win, right? So there, there's a lot to to kind of think about in that moment. Uh, it, it's just so grueling. And where else are you going to have that many players throw 23 games in a, in an afternoon?
3: Well, yeah. to be fair, Adam, every tournament, if you run the gauntlet, that's what you're looking at. Uh, from heritage heritage You look, um, what do we figure we end up doing? So seven through the first three brackets, there's 21 24 games. games you, throw, you, you finish throwing 24 to actually finish the tournament all the way through. So mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest like thing it? with the Autumn Open is just the timing of it. You throw the eight-game block in the morning <clears> to figure out your 16. That starts at 8.30 or 9. And then your second block... Uh, once you're in the 16, it starts at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's the challenge is getting through um, through that period of um, of figuring out okay mentally, but also physically, because yeah, you've been at the lanes a heck of a long time if you if you stay and watch constellation. Um, so yeah, so that's probably the most grueling part of it is figuring out how to manage your time and like your downtime during that uh, during that period. So. That's what I've always found the most difficult whenever I do make the 16s the there is just how do you manage your downtime?
2: This The supper break is killer. Absolutely. I, I seize up between me.
3: the first couple of games. I'm a little bit sore
2: or whatnot like that. I mean, I'm completely in shape too. But uh, you're right, Adam. Game seven, eight, nine. all of a sudden you start getting that fatigue, right? And uh, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of, after so many times you make the 16s, if you're fortunate enough, like we all have been, you kinda of, kind of know when how to manage it, I guess, right you know how to you don't you don't you you don't see a lot of us get super amped and excited every shot or anything like that anymore you you see a lot of us sit down and relax and even though most of us are usually standing you' you kind of conserve your energy a lot more That you know, I find it is more of a mental grind and a physical grind with it all,
1: yeah, you know it's weird i I kind of find it a little bit like. Like a masters like a an Alberta masters event where it's kind of it's kind of low key for the first like three quarters of it and then it starts to get to intense to the end. I don't know for, for me like the first half of it is it, not just throwing balls but still okay. just kind of throwing balls because you're not you're not getting eliminated right away. There's no immediate threat. You're you have if you make a mistake, you know you have time to recover because it is such a long time. So I find myself being pretty comfortable really early because i know that i have got i've got a little bit of room for air if I'm, if I'm struggling to start that's okay so I, I can i can free wheel a little bit so that's kind of why i like the format honestly and then and then you start getting a little bit more intense at the end of the games or you know at the end of the tournament if you're still
0: you know fighting for spots yeah don't even remember those bonuses are huge especially in that format right The that, that 50 pins yeah you're not eliminated right away, but if you lose the first three, four matches, you're down 200 to some of the players that hit their stride early, right? It's tough yeah. to gain that those pins back.
2: I, but but
1: absolutely you definitely not. can.
0: Oh, yeah. It's possible. reason. But I yeah. don't see too many guys come back at the end in the last five games to win it. It's usually you have four or five guys playing for it in the last five games, right?
2: The Honestly, the 50 point bonus is huge in the aspect is how many times you shoot a 220, maybe to win your match. Now you're 270. That's kind of a placeholder, right? And, you know, it kind of saves you there. I find that's where the big 50 point is. Unless you shoot a huge game all of a sudden and, and you know, you shoot 380 or something, and you get a 430 out of it, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I still, I still see, remember
4: losing yeah. to uh, Mark Miller uh, the, the one year. And uh, I think I ended up. I led the the field and averages two ninety-ish or so for the fifteen games, but I ended up going seven and eight in, in that battle. And uh, Marco, I think he went like twelve and three and beat me by ten or something, something along those lines, right? So, but uh, again, that was that year. Uh, I had a real slow start in the wins uh, column, and then started finding the the stride, but still losing those matches, but still finding stride and lots of points going through. And then uh, just, you know, it, it, it's really tough to come from behind. Uh, or or at least from a slow start, I, I think it's tough. I think mentally you just start, you know, thinking that you're a little bit behind the eight ball. Uh, you start pressing a little earlier than you really want to. And then here comes even more mental and physical fatigue because you're pressing so hard early, right? Uh, definitely find more success, you know, if, if you come out, you, you shoot your eight, eight and a half triple or whatever for first three, go into two of the first three matches. Now you just feel kind of grooved and now you can just go play. Right? It's Yeah.
1: And that's the advantage of playing one on one matches over and over and over too is that you can find that groove. Um, it's way easier to find that groove when you're playing one on one than it is like three on three or four on four, having that break in between if you're just constantly throwing balls. As long as you don't have to wait half an hour between games, it's fine. <laughs>
4: Was that directed at Bobby Kate? Uh, no, no, actually, that wasn't who was
1: directed at. But we'll, we'll, we'll go with that one. That one's okay, too. That's fair, yeah. Kevin Holdsworth. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I saw that in my throat.
4: Sean McKinnon last year, I think. <laughs> Let's just shout hey, out everybody. Hey, hey, but not me. Yeah, never, yeah, Weber. That's never, Weber. Yeah. That actually, never happened. You're but pretty I'll still get blamed 20 for 20
2: it. Gamer. You're pretty slow in the twenty game, remember? We would have been done by
1: four thirty if it wasn't for Adam. I'm pretty sure that's not the case, but
3: <laughs> I, I do remember just like yourself and uh, and Mark just bowling on the single lane by yourselves because the other team had already walked off and you guys almost finished last.
4: So. Yeah, it, that that was by design though, and then all of a
3: sudden, hey, we're we're like two frames behind,
4: <laughs> and, then, and then caught up. Yeah. 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 It's like game 14 or 15, and that's old, guys. We can't take that 10 minute break. So we're just kind of slowing down just so we were on, on par.
0: So, if the listeners didn't know, Sherrod ha held a 20 game overnight marathon on the weekend. Um, Adam and Victor finished first and second. Pretty stellar. How do you get in that fun? order? <laughs> yeah. how do you guys find a 20 game overnighter is it uh pretty exhausting well it's been what three days and i'm still hurting
4: not not quite (laughs) as bad but uh man that that first day sunday was very painful monday was worse and then uh yeah it just starts getting better and better but man what, what a mental grind 20 games overnight you know, the last like ten games, you're just bagged and just kind of throw balls to throw balls. Um, but to, to to mentally get through and and actually throw quality shots, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that helps. You know, the even the autumn open, hoping to get to the sixteens again, and basically living through that 2023 20, game block already.
3: Yeah, for myself, it was. Uh... It was, it was interesting. I actually had more issues earlier in the evening uh, than about, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning is actually when I really started throwing. Um, I did catch Adam. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I broke through the, the 400 pin deficit or whatever it was that, uh, that existed at one point. Um, but, yeah, it was just one of those things of um, that's where I kind of got mentally and physically got myself corrected and could just – just throw the good shots that needed to be there. Sure, it was a no tap tournament, but really, when you're looking at uh, at our caliber of bowler, you're not throwing a lot of no taps to be honest. Um, because we know where the ball needs to be, and it, it, you get kind of the odd uh, the odd shot that okay, that was different, and that's the one that leaves the corner. But you know, when you you're barely getting, I think I averaged maybe one a game uh, in total because I know that there was a lot of games that I did not throw throw a no tap in there. Um, but it was just, it was interesting to see kind of where it all played out for myself. Um, Sunday, yeah, Sunday hurt, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Sunday evening hurt, I should say that that was the bad one. Um, but yeah, I'm actually surprised how well my body's, um, holding up. Um, a lot of you guys know, uh, well, you guys all know on the podcast, um, hurt my knee pretty bad. I think it was 2012. No, sorry. Uh, 2015 is when I backed out of, uh. 2016 I think wasn't it Carrie that I backed out of the open and Shelby stepped in
0: yeah yeah
3: yeah so yeah, um, yeah I'd, I'd badly hurt my knee that year um and just ever since it's just been kind of a slow grind modify the modify the approach to uh to get done what needs to get done so that I can keep bowling at uh, at this level so yeah body held out so that's a good thing yeah
0: always and just so the listeners know, me and the Wiseman's didn't play in playing the twenty game marathon, or else it wouldn't have been Weber winning. But uh. <laughs> someone had to work it and flip pancakes, and that was me.
3: <laughs> I was gonna but, say, but yet they were both there. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: um, Vic had some bold predictions about TPC uh, TPC scores, though.
3: I did. Uh, yeah, are we, are we willing to share those or what? I don't care. <laughs> uh, so. Dex and I were just kind of talking there, um, just trying to figure out how many 400s we're throwing this past year uh, for the TPC, and I think we had like 10, I think was the number you guys threw at me. I'm pretty so, sure, yeah. Um, with the condition in the lanes, um, I felt that there's a good chance to hit at least a dozen 400s there. Scores are definitely still there. Um, that piece has not changed. Um, yeah, it's just getting used to the approaches. Um, if uh, I'll be very happy if they stay the same condition as they are right now. Um, but I guess just over time, uh, they will slow down just a little bit, uh, just with the, uh, people being on them. So it, uh, should be good. I think it'll be good for November.
0: Just bring your sawdust with you, Vic. You can just throw it out on the lane, keep them, keep them smooth. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm accustomed to that riverside approach,
0: so yeah,
3: I can adjust a lot
2: easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: A good slick I, approach.
2: It, it was a grind for me and Dexter. We, uh, we barely stayed awake <laughs> at some point, so. I, I was telling Dexter on a side note that I was making a burger for myself, put it in the oven. I was so excited about this burger. Open up the oven. I didn't put it in. I I, I had it, the oven running for five minutes. So yeah, he literally was, just put
1: an empty pan <laughs> into the oven and ran. It.
2: <laughs> but and and I want to clarify that. Adam wasn't the slow one, it was actually Johnstone. Johnny thought he was already finished the game, went out for a <laughs> bathroom. This and is I true. Bl- yeah. and, I bl- and I blamed it on Weber and not one person stuck off of him because <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: it's reputation. just a pure
4: it's assumption now, right?
0: It's yeah. your reputation your reputation yeah. precedes you, sir.
4: It doesn't bug me.
0: Um who won the POA but side? Robert Tompkins from Robert Grand Tompkins Terry? by like People- seven hundred oh, really? Yeah, he was like
1: plus 1,500, and second place was like plus eight hundred. So GP is
0: still playing tough, then is what? Well, it was well, last year, last uh, year's average. last
3: year's average. Uh, but Robert and I were talking um, just briefly about kind of what uh, what the new uh, new owners are doing, and he says it's uh, just putting the oil, getting the oil back on the lanes, and uh, switching up the the bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys that you know should be averaging around that two fifty. Uh, 240, like they're actually back there again. So um, he's he's gonna work and and see what uh, what they can do on that side to to make sure that that northern team for the open um, is stays strong, because I, I think that's a big part of that uh, that northern zone for the open.
0: As we side tra- as I sidetrack into that one, no, that's perfectly fine. So. We like sideways. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the north is gonna be strong. It just just with the amount of excitement that's happening up there, it's such a breath of fresh air it's it's awesome to hear so uh yeah looking looking forward to having them at all the events and then uh, yeah it's it's pretty sweet good job gerald
4: when's the next time albert opens up in north and will it be gp or is it over in lloyd well lloyd doesn't have shields right now so or the or
2: the new light system yet yeah, i sent it out so until Lloyd does that, then it should be up in GP again. Um, so if we went south. We went it'd be south, a couple years away, though, wouldn't it? Went south, Red Deer, it'd be two years after us. So it'd be us this year in Calgary, and then it'll go up to GP after that. Or, or I guess north, you can say. I won't, I won't speak on
0: behalf of yeah. GP. Lloyd may have their system up and running by then, and then they can yeah. decide yeah. between the two centers. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah Bonnie. Bonnie can help make that decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, where's
4: the where, where's the open being held this year?
0: Uh, Bonnie Dune. Lovely. Yeah, Bonnie I mean, that's
4: Dune.
2: Fantastic.
0: I I like Bonnie Dune.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people like Bonnie Dune.
0: <laughs>
3: you know what though? I I think Bonnie Dune is, is fair enough that uh, it's going to be everybody's going to be getting those breaks, or nobody's getting the breaks. So,
2: well, uh, the schedule is going to be a little bit different than normal. I'll put it that way. So uh, <laughs> just going over the schedule with them right now. So it's not, it's not approved yet, but uh, obviously singles will be on the Wednesday. Uh, and then he's requested not to bowl Thursday night. So we'll be done before six thirty on Thursday night. Um. So in the past, we've done 10-10-5 or 9-9-7 or something like that. It will probably be closer to, like, an 8-10-7, something like that. So you still get the 25 games in. Friday night will be the, like, if you're going traditional, it would be the same length. And then if we're doing the 9-9-7 where we spread it out a little bit, the 7 will be on the Saturday.
3: So sort of what you're looking at there. Does that push pictures to Thursday night then?
2: Uh, we can, well, we can do it. Pictures. We usually have uh, the Wednesday night. We have the top of the in book. So we'll do it up there. Uh, pictures are, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get pictures yeah, done pretty fast.
0: Obviously gives you the option to move it to Thursday now, too, right?
2: We could. Yeah. Yeah. We can figure that out. Hey, yeah. You're right, Carrie. I just literally, Martin just talked to me about it yesterday. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm okay, I'll get on it. No,
0: that's <laughs> right? good that you guys are already discussing it. It's not till Easter, but obviously being on top of that, getting that all figured out ahead of time, then you don't have the headaches the couple weeks before all of a sudden scrambling, right?
2: Well, and that, I mean, obviously, you know what? I'm sure their leagues are wanting to uh, are wanting to know if they need to take that week off or need to be pushed back a week. And it's right during playoff season for them, so that's what their biggest concern was. If it wasn't during middle first and second week of playoffs, they would just say, okay, well, it's pushing you back a week. Right. But, yeah, it will be all good. Yeah, I'm interested to see how everything works out. Yeah, the scoring. I know. Um, I know Diane wasn't very happy with the situation. She made it very vocal with me, violin at Open Provincials. Um, but yeah, the ladies, the ladies are gonna have a hard time, I think, depending on who they are. Most of them, just because you won't carry the corners. Um, but maybe you're gonna see the more aggressive ladies, you know, like the Haley's and you know, even, you know, all those kind of people. They'll they'll do yeah. very well out there.
1: Haley, Kelsey, Jen.
2: Bonnie, yeah, Bonnie. Yeah. So
0: just just bring your hard checkers in. That's all I would say. Just, <laughs> just bring them in off the bench. Diane's gonna have to hit the weights before she shows up. <laughs> <laughs> she she's she's you know she's
2: just going for two eighty. I think that's what she's going for. That's so. <laughs> fair. She can do it too. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, she can run that consistent. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah.
2: But yeah, so that's what the open is going to be looking like. I think. Um, we're talking about GP uh, IP is actually going up there this year, interprovincials, okay. Uh, and North hasn't fielded one since I think since Dexter coached like twenty twelve, a team or something like that around that time. Uh, so they're actually already committed over twenty plus people already for the roll-offs, and it's it, that was a couple weeks ago, and so they're going to commit to all ten. So like we said, like I think uh, I think Gerald's a, a huge huge success up there. But when you guys talked about us hosting the GP up there for the Open, I thought that was really good because they finally North has finally got stronger because of it. I think because they finally start participating and the guys started playing it, and uh, I, I don't think we have to worry about at least for men for numbers anymore.
4: Yeah, definitely agreed. It's just, it's it's nice to see a center thriving again, right? Especially in northern. Alberta and so, uh, yeah so oh, much they, of it just
1: comes from that the, the owner's enthusiasm correct you know if they're excited to be there people will be excited to be there, you know yeah um and and he's been such a big face of the the community up there as it is so um yeah, yeah he, he was a a really good person to take over
4: yeah, well not only the really that they, they've got so much community support within that that mm-hmm. kind of core group uh, what, what I classify kind of the core group, the, the, the players that are typically playing in the Open anyways, uh, like the Roberts, uh, you know, Robert Tompkins of the world, um, they're kind of infusing that, that enthusiasm back into that local community. And I, hopefully it keeps, you know, spreading throughout the other communities in, in Northern Alberta as well. But there, there's so much talent up there. And if you can get them all playing at the same time, like they're they're formidable force, especially on the male side. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know Bonnie on the female side, and there, there's a few others that, that can certainly play. Oh, yeah. uh, but the, the the male side, like that, that could I, I could at some point in the near future, I could see them challenging uh, for a national spot out of Alberta. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they continue to keep growing the way they are right now, mm-hmm. I, I've always I've always said this, and I maybe.
2: Vic doesn't want me to bring it up, but in twenty ten when we beat you guys in the last game, open provincials, right? You guys had a hell of a team at you. You had uh, Ian Doby, you had Perry right. Gillum, you mm-hmm. had um, you had Steve White was on that team yourself. Yeah. Uh, that was Tom a hell Walker, of a
3: team. I think was six. No, was the last one, uh, wasn't he?
2: McKinnon, McKinnon. No, McKinnon, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was a good player. And uh, I in a way, like I mean obviously I'm glad I won and our team won, but if you guys won, I think it would change the north, I think, a little
3: bit. Right? Yeah, there was a period there, um where we were definitely the underdogs but we played for it. Yeah. North North played for it. And that's the thing that um I think a lot of the guys in the north forget is they've made it there to the provincial and they all can bowl. We've all seen them bowl before. And they've got multiple nationals through a lot of them through their youth leagues and have just now they're getting into the adult ranks. And um, it's just it's getting that that reminder that, yeah, you know, we can compete with with the Edmontons, the Red Deers, the Calgarys, uh, the Medicine Hats, the Lethbridge. Like they can compete just as strong as anybody else in the province. Uh, It's just remembering that they can actually do that and, and want to do that. Yeah.
1: And at, that, at that time period, you guys had like real bona fide leaders um, between yourself and, and Perry was a hell of a leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ian, absolutely. Uh, I wish he still played. Uh,
4: was 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 Barry on that team, too? Barry Honey was on that Barry team, Hone's too.
1: Yes. Team. Wow. But I mean, it, like real leaders. And I, I yeah. just think that the, that's really the next step for the north is that like, you have a bunch of the young guys coming up, which is awesome. But, the, like, one of them has to become, like, a real bona fide leader for them for long term, and I think they're going to be really good when that happens.
0: No, exactly. They're they always strong. It's just, uh, like you said, following through and...
1: Somebody to remind them together.
0: all the time that, hey, guys, we could do this.
2: Yeah. Right, I this actually is our tournament. Th- I actually think I'm more scared about North and Calgary and Central because uh, at least we know what we're getting out of them. You know, you have to play well, right? North, North it is like they can come out unglued, you know. Um, and you just don't know what to expect from them. And it's not right. because we, we just don't play against them enough, right? Or they don't play enough, I guess you can say. That's
1: not true. We know exactly what to expect.
2: They're going to spare pins. every
4: three-pin. Three-pin. They're, <laughs> three They're going to spare every damn one of us. <laughs> um, no, it, it, you make a valid point, though, Tim. It, 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 it's kind of similar with Celts, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, you know, there's so much talent that any given moment, they can shoot 14 and a half at you. And and, and yeah, North North's the exact same way. But Central, you know, it's going to be a super hard match. Calgary, you know, it's going to be a super hard match. And then all of a sudden, there's a bit of a letdown from from all of those. Right. Because you're, you're gearing yourself up for that one match. And then it, not to say that, that there's an afterthought, but all of a sudden there's a bit of a letdown. And then you know, after two frames, when you know Stealth is up on you by a hundred pins, that okay, it's time to get back at it, right? Like these guys are players in this sport. Um, they don't always play all the cash events, but you at least the Alberta players know who these guys are and what they're capable of, right? I, I, I think for probably a good decade there that um, a, a lot of people probably took those matches for granted whereas i honestly i don't think that's the case anymore i don't think that's the same mentality anymore but which is a a great thing for alberta bowling
0: absolutely yeah i would i would agree with that i think things have um, not to say that, like central edmonton or calgary have leveled out or anything like that i think north and south they're uh, I guess their primary players are really stepping into it. Like, look at Alexander Young, out of the South. Like he, he can play, and he, it's uh, it's amazing him not playing more cash tournaments. Um, he was there a couple of years ago. I think he played pretty much all of them. But last couple of years, I imagine schools getting in the way or whatever the situation yes. is. But um, see those guys come back and and lead that team. They can be uh. Mm-hmm pretty tough to deal
4: with. You know what they're missing down there though? They're missing a Curtis Deering. Like they're missing that one X-factor type player that that people can really rally around. And it, they're, they're, there's lots of, you know, super talented people down there. A lot of a lot of the old crew just don't play anymore for, yeah. for a number of reasons, right? But if they even if that crew came back and they kind of provided that extra little bit of support, like it bonified Teams that could easily go to nationals every year. Yeah. But I, I still think they're missing that X Factor. Curtis was so phenomenal for so long. And uh, you just know when he was on a team that 1400 was possible every game.
0: Yeah. Um, not to say this topic isn't highlighting or whatever, but we'll segue because not everybody's Alberta listeners. Um, so the Newfoundland Bowling Tour has decided to. Bring a an event back that hasn't been played on television since TSN dropped it. Um, the Pins game, uh, April 2020, I do believe they're going to play it. Um, the WCBT currently plays it on the Tour Championship, and now the Newfoundland Bowling Tour is going to bring it back. Um, super unique format if people haven't been watching the WCBT episodes coming out this week. Um yeah, you could, you could literally lose pinfall by 100 but still win the match. Um, what are you guys' thoughts of them bringing that to the forefront of their tour?
1: Uh, it, it's great. I mean, anytime that we have, you know, a, a different, unique format, you know, you're going to get more people to come out. You're going to create more interest, and that's really what we're all about right now, right? So um, it's always fun to try something different, and it'll be good for them to experience that. I think that's awesome.
4: Best part is it's a proven format, right? It's mm-hmm. an exciting format. You know for a fact that this is ball for ball. You don't have to worry about losing two frames, your next ball or that carryover. There, there's nothing like a carryover, right? You get in that moment where you three, four frame carryover. You know, if you lose this, this frame, you'll probably lose the match, right? There, there's, there's probably more pressure as those keep, keep going on. It's the only format that that's going to happen.
2: I'm I'm just wondering if uh, Shane got bored winning the other formats, just wanted to have one another chance to win a different one. <laughs> it's basically the Shane Chafe Bowling Tour right now. He he's <laughs> played pretty damn well. Uh, I I think on, honestly it's uh it's a it's a grind actually. You know, uh, the first time I was on the the TV finals or I guess you tell the film finals for the WCBT, it was it was a mental grind because. Every ball mattered, and uh, and you'll find that out in our matches coming up. You know, some of us struggled with that, um, and we didn't play very long. So, <laughs> uh, not alluding to anything there, but uh, it was it was it, it was good, and I think it's a good format for those guys to to get involved into.
0: Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure they're super excited to bring that format to their tour, and I hope it runs really good. Um, so we'll move into our special guest questions. I'm pretty sure this first one is a no brainer, <laughs> but, uh, we'll ask it anyways, Victor, who is your bowling mentor?
3: Uh, yeah. Um, pretty easy to nail that one down to a single person. Uh, that being, um, obviously my dad, um, Lawrence, he, uh, he was one, well, when we, uh, when we had Riverside at the old place, um, he was on the ball team there and um, usually I'd sneak away while they were having their, their after-game uh, delights and I'd be down on the lanes throwing games. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of something that, that really pushed me and then uh, he, started, uh, he started watching me a little bit more and then um, pushing me a little bit more and as soon as we started bowling league together, um, it really started clicking and, and changing for me. Went from like the, the one eighty um 180 average to uh to two twenty within just a season of of just having something some being pushed rather than just myself pushing. So um mm-hmm. yeah, that was uh that's definitely the easiest one. But I have to give credit where credit is due as well, looking back to uh to guys like Shelby Crest, uh Gary Baird. Um, Rob Hutchinson, uh, Darby crest, um, Mike Bishkey, those kind of guys who were in seniors while I was going through bantams. Um, they were always at the lane as well. And, you know, I'm throwing games on Saturdays just after YBC is done or something. And, uh, yeah, they're there and, you know, throwing the extra tips in or, you know, they're setting pins in the back while they're doing some cleaning or something. They'll throw up a corner or something for me to, to sit and shoot up for for some time and you know they they helped push the game just a little bit more than than what it was rather than just throwing balls. It was it, it's a purpose practice. So
0: Yeah. Oh well, that's pretty cool. Um one thing that some people may not know and maybe Vic's not even aware of it or even some guys on his podcast, your dad kinda got a uh, kinda got a nickname um at Open Provincials. All the teams kinda called him the horse, who's guaranteed to throw two seventy. It didn't matter what condition it was. <laughs> They knew Lawrence was going to come out and average 270 at the Provincials, so he, mm-hmm. they just had yes. to avoid his games <laughs> and uh, hopefully pull the team points out. Um, your dad was quite the force in central Alberta bowling and obviously Alberta bowling for a long time. Um, I was fortunate enough to bowl with him a few times and um, nothing but good moments, that's for sure.
2: Well, Lawrence had the most clutch 10th frame, didn't he, in Bonnie Doon for the Open Nationals? For that he bango Nationals. Yeah, <laughs> he bango ten in order for them to, to win their open gold, and I think that's all the marbles on the line. And he does it. I think that's quite the story. That, you
3: know?
1: That's hitting the walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth, right? That's that's what we all dream of, right there. Yeah,
3: phenomenal player. Yeah, he's he still throws two fifty average in league. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> at Riverside at riverside yeah. <laughs> some guys can of
0: make open teams out of that place <laughs> how about you carry how'd that go uh, not very good <laughs> <laughs> moving on uh Victor. It wasn't from lack of trying <laughs> right, no no i tried tried my butt off uh what's your favorite tournament um uh,
3: been thinking about that uh last little bit here knowing uh, well definitely since yesterday but even uh listening to all the other podcasts, trying to actually nail that down. Um, obviously, I've had some really good success in heritage, um, not just at the traditional, but uh, every time I go there, I seem to do well. Uh, Sherwood Park has always been a great place for me for TPC. Um, done awesome there for, uh, for the open when it's been there as well. So, um, you know, I, I've always been lucky and had decent success in almost everywhere I go. Um, the dark horse for me, as far as... Uh, Tournaments, though, has always been Autumn Open. I think I'm the only one on currently uh, within the, the speaking portion that has not had the opportunity to win that one yet. So Loser. Um, <laughs> 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 but I have to say, I've probably had more top five finishes than all you guys combined at this point, too. So, I, <laughs> so you, had a you're of,
1: saying you're not a
3: closer. <laughs> I'm not a closer, yeah. Doubtful. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of Calcutta money out of that place. I'll put it that way. So, um, yeah, so that's one thing that uh, I, I've always liked that format because it is a true grind, and it was already brought up earlier today as well that, uh, you know, the format makes it what it is. Uh, you throw 40s, and then you have to throw another eight games to make 16s, and then you've got that break in there. And then you have to throw another 15 games on top of that in uh, in head-to-head matchups for an extra 56 and, or 50 sticks. So you know, there, there's a lot, a lot that you got to keep going through. And, you know, when you finish bowling at, you know, nine, ten o'clock at night, um, after having a, a break in there, it's, uh, it really puts a lot of mind, mind stress on there. So.
0: Yeah. Especially when Weber huh. makes the top 16, it's definitely a 10 o'clock finish. So.
3: <laughs>
0: You're <laughs> welcome.
4: Yeah. I've had a lot hey. of
0: days driving home at one o'clock from that tournament too. So. We'll
4: uh, just trying to lengthen the experience for you all.
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah so I'm actually looking forward to that one this year i'm I'm going back into it um haven't bowled it for the last two or three years um just between uh family family things that uh that keeps coming up or illness that you know you can never never can control it so um yeah I'm looking forward to it again this year
0: good um so do you have a toughest match or your favorite match
3: uh Toughest and probably favorite at the same time. Uh, first time I actually got to bowl my dad in, uh, in the open. Uh, I was bowling out of, uh, out of the north. I was living in Edson at that point. And uh, bowling in Bonnie Doon. actually. was the first time we actually competed. And it was uh, both central and north were, were out, of the, uh, out of the first place run. And, of course, Gino being Gino goes to the coaches and says, you know, put Victor against his dad. So um, I know I did not throw well. Um, but yeah, he did, uh, he did the, the Lawrence thing and, you know, gave me a few frames at the start and said, screw this. I'm going to start. And he just <laughs> went on a run and threw 270. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but it was, uh, it, it's something that you don't get to do very often. So uh, it was, it was definitely very memorable for me. It's one thing I'll, I'll remember for a while.
0: That's a, that's a pretty cool memory. Um, obviously not too many of us would ever get that opportunity. So pretty cool that you got it. Um, so what's in your, uh, arsenal, what equipment do you have?
3: <laughs> um, well, running SST eights, uh, I've had them since 2013. So I, uh, I said in my, my interview within the, um, within the magazine that, you know, I must've gotten a lucky set or something because <laughs> uh, they've held up, um, running S10s though, uh, for my slider. So run that pretty much everywhere I go and just a matter of modifying how, uh, how I go through everything. So, um, change the, uh, <laughs> change the approach and stuff. Sorry, my daughter just came to say, uh, say no goodnight worries. again. So, oh, here's number two. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, that's what I'm running for shoes. Um, uh, bowling balls. Um, I feel like I'm kind of known for the, the half fabs, yep. my, uh, yes. my green and whites, the uh, pro the racers bro, Comet rubber racers. They're one of the first sets out. I've had them since 94. So, um, they've done me well. Um, I've picked up uh, so they're four seven four and seven eights, uh, three six. Uh, I picked up uh, a couple years ago. Picked up some soft rolls. Uh, they are three 8 again four seven eight, um, just for something that's a little bit heavier. See if uh, see if there's a little bit uh, different condition on on all these houses that are starting to go to uh, to the acrylic lanes. Just needing something as as maybe just a backup, but uh, I run. Uh, a couple four-three-quarter, three-sixes as well. Uh, I've got some Scorpions. Uh, they're my second oldest set. Had them since probably 2000, so I've run a long time with some of the balls that I've got. And then uh, <laughs> this weekend for the t- the 20 game, I actually threw my Paramounts for the first time in probably four or five years. But, yeah, I run the four sets in my bag all the time and just figure out which one's going to work on the lanes and for the mental state too. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, for sure. So so you're saying that you had a set of balls since 94, yeah. And they were three six. I wonder what they weigh
3: now. <laughs> I wonder. I offered to put. I offered to put them on the scale at the, at the championship. But, uh, they, they, they they weren't doing the
0: it. Don't worry. They they weren't doing it there at all. We're the only measuring that? Tim Wiseman's, so it's fine. The, uh, That's very I, I
1: like of you. <laughs> I, I'm glad that that didn't affect your game. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, I did.
0: Did you did you see did you see his did, well? <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> did, did you see how I started the match? <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Um, so, what's on your bucket list, Vic? Uh,
3: obviously, autumn open win is one of those. Um, Want to get that one because then I could actually say that uh, I've I've won Alberta um, as far as the cash tournaments. Um, I know that that list would be pretty small um, for those who have potentially won that. Um, so, I think that's definitely definitely on the to do list before uh, before I start talking about retirement, Adam. Um, so, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's one of those Every that, week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things I've always uh, always wanted to do. Um, like I said, I've had I've had some pretty good finishes there, but uh, just never never enough to actually clinch it out.
0: So to, to tell you the truth, has, Vic, I don't think anyone? anybody has. Nope. Matt hasn't because Matt's missing Heritage. I'm missing TPC. Adam's missing Gino, Heritage.
2: Gino's missing Heritage. Gino's missing Autumn.
0: Autumn. yeah. And, uh, and Bruce and Bruce, Bruce retired on around. before. Well, Bruce played Red Deer a couple of times, and then he retired. Wait, did, does KG count? <laughs> well, technically, it's yeah, K- KG
2: it's in Alberta.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I was just going for Alberta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah um, I haven't, I haven't bowled Regina. Uh, it just—it's the wrong time. Of, wrong time of season for me. My, my oldest daughter' her birthday is that weekend. Um, I almost made it this year because they changed the weekend. They changed it to the second week of February instead of the third. So, it—it uh, it almost made it possible. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I, I bowled there for bowled well for nationals there when we were there. So, yeah. um, I think it'd be a good tournament. And watching everybody go, it's just—it—it uh, it looks like a lot of fun. I—I I do want to do it. So. Um, but yeah, the, the last bucket list that I don't think I'll ever get is probably a master single out of Alberta. Um, I've I've had the chance of making the team three times now out of four attempts. Um, I don't bowl it every year, obviously, uh, with that kind of record. But um, yeah, I just I've I've had one tournament win in those four years, and uh, so I'm never I'm never that guy that can walk away with a tournament. But um, yeah, the the steady Eddie, I think. <laughs> I think this year i had the lowest average and <laughs> but all my uh all my games even the tossers were 100 sticks from top to bottom so um, yeah uh, that's, yeah
0: that's a tough thing with alberta masters right if you don't have one of those really high tournaments it's sometimes pretty tough to make that team
3: yeah if, if i, yeah, if yeah, I so can I do fortunate it this you
0: year.
3: can you've done it twice though tim now haven't you
0: Tim throws 2,500s every year, so Three times. of course he makes it.
3: <laughs> That's easy Wrong. 25 points, right? So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How's Nationals gone, though, Timmy?
4: I don't know. Ask Clark and Laycox.
1: Also not a closer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's what a, she but... said.
0: That's <laughs> uh, no, a great bucket list, Vic. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Agreed. if you played Masters more often you'll definitely be an Alberta single in no time. For
2: mm-hmm.
0: Sure you sure would.
1: I didn't know that nobody had won Alberta, so there's yeah, that's a good challenge. I
0: like that. Just because you need I'm one in. now. I'm in.
3: <laughs> Let's go. Stupid yeah, you're only fly. missing one dex, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry? You're only missing one too, are aren't you? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Him
0: and Adam can duke it out for that one.
3: Yeah. Well we'll see we'll see how many uh more pictures fall in you first. <laughs> I've stopped flopping into the wall
4: for safety reasons now. <laughs> hey, hey, Vic. Though when you win the autumn, can you do it on Sunday at least? That's fair.
3: Instead of waiting until Monday or something. What do you? What do you say? Tim, went, Tim, uh, so Tim was
4: Wednesday. Wednesday, Timmy. They had a
3: scoring issue. Oh, yeah. yeah, the scoring issue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, that's right.
2: So, Vic, I have a question for you. Then. Sure. Because I think, I think, believe, uh, back from the past, you, when we talked about bucket lists and everything else like that, you had, it's like, who would you want to play with on a team that you haven't before? And I think you said Adam. Yes. Right? Yeah. I so now that I've probably, done that. Probably disappointment. <laughs> um, but, but that being said, now now do you, now do you have... Who is your guy? Did
3: you haven't played
2: with,
3: or you want to play with? Um, yeah, Adam was definitely on that list, but I have to go with nostalgia. Um, like for uh, for some of the older ones, um, Bruce would definitely be on that list, and I think that came up. Uh, I can't remember which podcast it was, um, but yeah, Bruce would be one. Um, I'd love to bowl a team with my dad as well again. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be it's uh, definitely a treat to be able to do that, and um, yeah. Having that opportunity, um, trying to think about uh, about who else would be on that list. Uh, there's a lot of great guys that I would love to bowl with. Um, you know, thinking back to like Ken Norris in his heyday, um, mm. like that that guy was a rock to be able to watch uh, when I was growing up. Um, Adam, you probably had that opportunity as well, being being from Calgary at that age, like being able to watch him him go like that. Tom yeah.
4: Man, oh. he, his ball was something else. So he, he would be another player that would absolutely despise Bonnie Dune.
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he had
4: that, that, that big, slow curve, but man, was that accurate. Uh, yeah. he, he would eat up old uh, Chinook. He uh, yes, cool. it was, it was super oiled, but he he it would just eat up the, the the pocket. What a phenomenal player. Man, it, one of those guys that probably never received the recognition that he truly deserved in this game.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Dad's got so many stories going up against him in, um, in step ladders and stuff. And it'd be, you know, first couple of frames, you'd be able to get ahead of Ken, And then after he found the line, he'd, just, he'd destroy you. So that's one thing that uh, that's tough to do nowadays, I think, is, is get that line, like have a couple of frames to, to play a line and then just go. Because um, nowadays it, it seems that you need to go from the start, and you don't really get uh, get too many frames to, to figure something out. So,
4: well, especially uh, with his yeah. type of style, just just how hard like you're playing such a big backup.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: How are you able to play that big a backup and then instantly find it one frame in? It, yeah. it, it, it's it's <laughs> phenomenal. I, I, yeah. Especially a great great player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another yeah. another guy, uh, Dave Dave Sanderson. What was the absolutely identical, um, usually that's one thing I would love to pull up some of his old stats from Winnipeg, uh, back in free fall days. He, he was throwing like 10, 12, 400s a year yeah. with, with, with that shot. Like it, it was just deadly accurate. There's another guy that, uh, you know we we had the the old you know Canada top 100 and did all that stuff and is you know so called popularity contest really mm-hmm. right there there's a guy that should have easily made that cut if you know that that presence was pushed yeah. a, a little bit further yeah. uh his, his records are phenomenal as well didn't even know i knew he was a good yeah. player i didn't think he was that good well that that's just it right so and uh, unfortunately for you know Alberta, uh, who kind of saw him near the tail end of of his career, and he could still play it even at that level, but um, especially on free fall, like his, his ball speed is perfect. Yeah,
3: yeah. The the uh, there's a couple others, um, and I'd have to go to the ladies side on this one. Um, Tracy Smith got a chance to bowl with her for the uh, the tournament championship during the Gallagher Cup. Um, you know that that would be an awesome opportunity. I think, um, obviously, not ever to uh, to bowl in Calgary. Or, um, so making a mixed team out of Calgary is pretty hard for me to do, and I don't think she's going to Central anytime soon. So, um, but uh, that's one that would be great. And then uh, uh, Diane Violini would be one of the other ones um, that would be great to uh, to spend some time on a team with. Just the amount of um, the amount of knowledge and in, in game. Um, information that's just within her brain, and um, that she shows on the lanes is just—it's absolutely amazing. So I've always had uh, had great opportunities during Masters uh, whenever we got uh, got paired up for for a tournament. It, it, I knew it was going to be a good day uh, mm-hmm. just with what she had. So it'd be fun to actually bowl a tournament with her. Yeah,
4: had 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 the opportunity to bowl with her at the uh the Masters Nationals in two thousand nine. And just to watch her composure, as well as watching some of the other female bowlers, just literally just you just fall apart, frame seven, eight, nine, to her two forty, two fifty, just steady, steady pace, and, and then just what she was able to do mentally to these people by not saying a, a word, right, and. um uh, I, I One match that I, I vividly remember, and I, I can't remember who she was playing, uh, she threw four two-pins in that match, spared all four of them, shot 280 and won by 50, right? Because yes. even those two-pins wasn't enough to allow the other person to be able to shoot their game against. it. It's freaking Diane Violini, right? That, that'd that be an, <laughs> a, another person on, on my personal bucket list as well, Vic. So I, I, I totally get that
3: yeah newfoundland in twenty thirteen we were both the singles reps there um never got to actually bowl with her on the same set, but uh obviously crossing lanes a fair bit so um having a few opportunities there but yeah that was that was an amazing to bowl with national at least beside her anyway um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, bowling with her on a team, I think would be next next step up so
0: yeah that's a great question, Tim thanks for that um so I uh, will make one last segue here um So spoilers for people that haven't watched the first two episodes of the WCBT. Um, If you don't want to hear the results and you want to watch them, tune out now. (laughs) Go watch them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the WCBT, just for people know, the members profiles are back up, all updated from last season. Um, And we are updating them after every release as well. Um, of the episodes because there's obviously television matches and stuff like that on on there so they'll they'll be updating the profiles the day after each release. Um, but so Vic, me and you were the unfortunate um, ones knocked off the the TV show at nine and one records. That's uh. Yep.
3: I didn't um, wait till ten to get mine though. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty much <laughs> given mine. <laughs> Let's be fair here. Well,
0: Um, I know that was your, that was your first time playing on under the lights of that specific filming. Um, how did it feel? Um, I don't want your reaction on the loss, but how did it feel to play under the lights?
3: Well, that's something that I've been striving for since the tour kind of really got going is just being able to have that opportunity. Um, it's a different format, obviously. So just being able to play that, um, was, was something I was looking forward to. Um, obviously disappointed that I lost, but it was, um, I think every time you get an opportunity to have that experience, um, it just kind of goes into the memory bank of, okay, what am I doing um, to get there next time so that I can be better than I was before? Because mm-hmm. um, one thing I've always pushed is, you know, I don't mind losing when I'm throwing 280s, 290s, because I know that they had to throw better than that to beat me. I have the problem when I throw like a buck, a buck, uh, buck 90 or, or 200 to lose because I know I could have done better.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's something that commentating was uh, on the episode. You punched four times. I punched three times. Um, obviously our opponents didn't punch, right? It was yeah. them avoiding the punching and making some key strikes in my match. I got ripped in the sixth frame on a left corner. I do believe it was that cost. Didn't cost me the match, but it put the nail in the coffin. Yeah,
3: it was a it was definitely a a, <laughs> a, yeah. a turning point.
0: Um. So, like, after seeing that, is there anything you want to reflect on to your episode? That something you wish you would have maybe tried a little bit earlier, or if you made any changes throughout the match, or um, what your thoughts are on that.
3: Uh. So I think it was the shot in the sixth frame the one that was actually highlighted through the, uh, the entry feed. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the first list. Yay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think that was a shot that, um, if I didn't come back as hard as I did and get that pumped up, I think it would have been an easier shot in the next frame. So staying within myself more than I did, I think is, um, probably the, the one thing that I regret the most. Cause if you look at every strike before that, I, I came back a lot, a lot more relaxed and and not nearly as pumped up yeah. yes it was a big shot to kind of keep me in the match but uh, i think it would have been easier for this for the next frame because i think i punched the next frame so you yeah. know you, you it was too much adrenaline for that next shot and i didn't get calmed down enough before throwing so that's probably the one shot i would like to take back is the second is is actually that strike
0: yeah um, obviously I wish I would have thrown more strikes, but my, my big switch was in the sixth frame. I was throwing Manhattan's to start the first five frames, got into that three frame carryover going into the sixth frame and decided that I needed a ball switch. And I moved actually a board left and moved to a soft roll and threw it absolutely where I wanted it. And unfortunately I got tapped and then Tyler threw the bouncing strike, um, to win the whole match. But, uh, I, the only thing I can take away from that match now, even though I did lose nine one, is I made the switch, I made the change, and it was the right change. Just a bad result, and that's that's a positive. At least I can take away from that match is at least I made the right decision. Um, albeit I should have made it earlier, but I just uh, people watching those episodes definitely take that into consideration when you're watching um watch the guys make changes it's maybe a little bit tough with the camera angles and stuff like that but you can definitely notice when guys are trying something out because they're behind in the match or they're in a tough spot and maybe they they switch a ball or they switch a line or they switch release or something like that um these guys are the top 14 since a couple people dropped out before the tour finals um on the tour and they're the ones making the making the shots and um we're going to be seeing Tim's fairly soon I think it comes out on Monday and then obviously the Dexter and Adams they come out next week I do believe as well so um stay tuned and pay attention we're posting on Facebook it comes out on YouTube all the time um every at five o'clock every second day not on weekends so
4: and one thing i think that that people need to kind of realize when it comes to these types of matches even though they're you know like 15 17 minute type matches when you're out there on the lane it flies by right like it it goes extremely quick so for somebody to actually have the wherewithal in that moment to make that switch is really something that 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 people need to realize how important that is, um, to really understand your own game. Like for, for some like myself, I, I'm probably throwing the star lines all the time hmm. anyways, but I will make a line change in the match, right? First couple of frames just don't feel right. I will try something just to get some feel and it might not even be the right, right move, but you change something out there. And, uh, Especially, the, you know, this group that that, that made, um, you know, the the, the final fourteen. Um, every single player has that option just to change something. You we might not see it as, as a, a you know part of the gallery or part of the the the, the taping uh, after the fact, uh, but know that everybody's thinking about that change. And I, honestly, I think that's what makes us, you know, that caliber of player. That we're willing to make those changes in a what feels like a two-minute match that lasts eighteen minutes.
1: It, it takes it takes balls to do it, uh, especially in that situation. Just because, man, you you don't you. There's an inherent fear of making a big mistake when you're being filmed. You know, it's it's one thing to make a change and then oh well that's not gonna work. Well, you know, four frames later you're in you know at the TPC or whatever, you try something different and you move on, right? Nobody sees anything, but with this, they see absolutely everything. So there is an inherent fear where you don't want to be bad and and you don't you don't want to make a major mistake. So it, it takes it takes balls to do it. It takes confidence in your game to to make that change carry. So good for you.
0: Just wish next week. Just wish it would have ended in a better result. That's all. <laughs> it. It was a better well, they, result
1: than I had been.
4: Too and I, I haven't had a chance to, to, to watch your match uh, today, Carrie. Uh, but uh, the the one thing I do kind of remember from from yours and Vic's match, uh, there was a bunch of carryovers where they're not.
0: Yeah. So right off the bat, there was a three-frame carryover, which I obviously lost, and then Tyler won the very next frame. So he was up 4 nothing, and then it was another three-frame carryover going into six. Yeah. And that's when I got roasted, and he ended up double-dribbling the ball at the foul line, and it was just thin enough it carried out.
3: Hmm.
0: And then he locked up the match, obviously, by then. And then um, I think there was another couple-frame carryover in there. We threw a couple strikes, and then I spared in 10. He missed his right corner spare in 10 to give me my only frame of the match, but... Um, obviously that wasn't the point by the sixth frame it was already over, but um, for my third time being there, obviously I wish it was better results, um, but playing against the defending champion and then stuff like that. And Tyler was coming in he's been playing great. Right. Um,
3: and a little... I, I'm afraid of him in the adult ranks now, to be
0: honest. <laughs> yeah. A little bit.
2: <laughs> um,
3: that's,
0: that's one less spot for us for masters. <laughs> yeah. And just a little side note, like, uh, actually, no, I'll leave that out. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, he he's phenomenal. And uh, obviously you get to see him for another match in this uh, tour finals. So look forward to watching that one. Um, I think that's good to go. Does anybody else have anything they want to add before we wrap up this podcast? Perfect. Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Vic. Oh, thanks for joining Dex us. No problem.
4: Problem. Hey, Dex, any rules?
1: No <laughs> rules. rules?
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> pure <on>. anarchy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks. And please subscribe to our SoundCloud account. And if you want to help support Five Pin Universe with the future projects we, g- we have going on for this season, um, please sign up to our Patreon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike.
2: See ya.